Hello and welcome back to the Emerging Stories podcast, episode number four. For this episode, I sat down with a couple of uh, colleagues of mine, actually, now. These are two people from my home church in Merthyr. And this is a story about a project that emerged off the back of our church's initial response to the COVID lockdowns in wanting to meet local needs and uh, really just developed from there. And God has taken it to a place that nobody expected it to go or planned for it to go. And this episode was actually recorded almost a year ago at this point. And it's developed so much more since then. It really feels like we need another update. Um, But for now, I'll just say that Heidi, who you're about to meet in this conversation, is now working full-time for the church as pantry coordinator, director, manager, I don't know, something like that. I like to call her the Minister of Justice. But that's just been an amazing way that God has provided for this and opened doors for this and just given so much favor. So anyway, I'll stop talking to you and we can just listen to the story. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Emerging Stories podcast. Um, I'm sat here in Hope Church, Merthyr, with Heidi and Lisa. Thanks, guys. Uh, can you just introduce us to yourselves, who you are, where you're from, and what you do with your time? Okay, I'm Heidi. I live in sunny Hidrain. Uh, I've been coming to Hope in Merthyr for about six or seven years now. Um, and in the context of the podcast, I am one of the two pantry coordinators for Hope Pantry, and I'm also the coordinator for Help at Hope. Uh, I'm Lisa. Um, I'm originally from Chicago, but now a Mirtha Tidville dweller. Um, my role here is a Hope Pantry coordinator, but also um, pastoral stuff as well. So both of you are in quite outward-facing roles um, in terms of engaging with the community. Um, I'm interested to hear, are there things from the rest of your life or your history that you feel like have formed you to be those kinds of people? Uh, So, yeah, so for me, um, I grew up in a Christian home. Our home was always open to people and our lives were kind of always open. Um, and I think that that's had a lot to do them with how I interact with people when it comes to whether it's an official church ministry or seeing people out and about is just that actually we get to invite people into a wider community. And I think that a lot of that has transpired into pantry as well as that you don't just meet needs. Um, so I also run a toddler group here at church. And again, you're meeting a need, but you're also building a community. And I think that's where... I think a lot of history of just relationships and um, even family comes into creating something for Hope Pantry. 
Um, and for me, fairly similar to Lisa, really. I grew up in a Christian home. Um, my parents were pastors of a church for a period of time. Um, so our home was always open to people day and night, nine day. And that was just part of who we were. Um, and then in a professional capacity, I am a social worker. Um, I work in and around the local area of Merthyr and RCT. And I think that forms you in terms of seeing what the needs that people have, um, the, your practical needs, your everyday needs, and then the greater needs of, of, of the, the spiritual needs, really, which I'm not allowed to talk about in my working role. Mm. Um, whereas here in Hope Pantry and Help at Hope, I can be me and be very open with my faith and open with the, can I pray for you? Can we pray for you? This is what we believe. Um, so I think the two go really well together in terms of my working life and the work I do here in Hope. Yeah. And am I right in thinking even before COVID and all that happened as a response to that, you had some kind of dream slash vision about something that you could do through church? Yeah. Um, so four years ago, I changed my job and I went from working a full-time nine-to-five Monday-to-Friday job to work a job that meant I could do shifts. And the blessing of shifts is it gives me more time to do what I think is important, which is work here in the church and work here in the community. Um, and my dream has been for the people who are lonely and isolated. Um, again, I see it in work. I see people who don't see people from week to week. I see people who've got nobody to bring them a pair of slippers, who don't talk to people. And it's not just older people. There's a lot of younger people who are lonely and isolated as well through various different reasons. Um, and my dream has always been to do something. But I didn't know what that something was. Um, I didn't know how it was going to come to fruition. But there was a seed and a fire there for that. Um, and at the time, it was a case of God saying, well, okay, you've got the dream. You've put it out there. Just wait. Um, and what I didn't see on the horizon was a global pandemic. Um, and through the global pandemic, God has opened so many doors. Um, and that's the way he's used it. Yeah, I remember sitting down here, what was it, two years ago? And having like a prayer meeting and kind of like a night where we're just like, all right, Lord, like what are the visions that people have of, of things that has, God has laid on people's hearts for what they want to do in this community? And Heidi had said about it then. And you know when you have one of those moments where you're like, that's lovely. Not sure how we move forward with that. Um, how do we find isolated people? And then to get to the point where you're getting phone calls from people everywhere saying, our neighbor's isolated. Can you come do something? This person doesn't have this. Can you like, and that was just, that was incredible to see that of going from a place of this is clearly something that's on Heidi's heart and therefore it's on our heart <laughs> um, to a place of oh, actually God's, God's got this. <laughs> we don't have to do something. We don't have to be visionaries or have a plan all the time. And I think that's really good, especially for people who are not very organized or visionary. <laughs> I like myself. <laughs> so COVID hits. What happens next? Like how did it all oh, unfold? Um, I found myself at home for the 12 weeks of the first first lockdown. Um, for many and varied reasons, I wasn't able to go to work. Um, I live on my own and I knew that I was going to be at home alone for 12 weeks. 
um, just me and the Tesco's delivery man <laughs> once a fortnight. Um, and that was it. And I'd, I'd hunkered down. And I was like, oh, God, what is this all about? And then I was out on um, one of my Boris daily walks very early on. I think it was week one. Um, and Paul, Lisa's husband, rang me and said, so Heidi, uh, we need to really do something about this. There is a real need in Merthyr. And I was like, yeah, that's great. Crack on. Um, and then I hang up. And then God said to me, isn't this what you prayed for? Um, so I rang him back and I said, yeah, I think this is me, isn't it? Um, but I'm going to be at home, so how on earth is this going to work? Um, and God just orchestrated it that within within a day we had an email address, we'd had a phone given to us, so we had a phone number, um, and then I was at home in my house, mostly in my pyjamas, um, organising it all while Lisa, Paul and the team of 40-odd volunteers did all the practical stuff. Um, and that's how Help at Hope was born. Yeah, I think from my position, like if we rewind, like this announcement of lockdown happened and I was like, three weeks off, this is amazing. <laughs> like, yes. And Paul was like, so Paul is my husband and also the pastor of Hope Church Martha. Um, and he was like, we we need to do something. And I was like, oh, do we though? Like, can we just maybe this is just God giving us like a break. And he's like, babes, like people are in their homes and they don't have food. And I was like, it's just checking. You didn't want to have like three weeks off. So for me, I think it's always been really humbling because I was like, actually, I recognize that if I were the one that made the decision to do anything, Hope Pantry wouldn't exist. <laughs> like, and just being really honest with like the fact yeah. that like, I think being able to approach my own emotions and be like, actually, this isn't something I wanted to do initially. I was like, at that point of like we getting to the point where you're like heading for summer and you're like, if we just get to summer, get some time to rest, it'll be great. And then for this to happen and for Paul to be like, we need to do something, we need to mobilize. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> and yet, like it has been the most amazing blessing to me on a personal level as well. So it wasn't just then like this. And so I think I find that a lot in my walk with God is that often things will happen and you respond out of obedience, almost with a little bit of like, okay. <laughs> and then you just receive this huge amount of blessing from it. And so that's where we were at. So like Paul was like, we need to do something. And and I was like, mm. and then it was Heidi and Paul who really kind of like put their heads together. And I was like, I'll just do whatever I need to do. <laughs> that's fine. Whatever. And I think that's the good thing about church family is that everybody has their own strengths um and so for me being able to have you know I had a pen and a notebook um and it was a case of okay well let's do this um so Paul was the Paul and Lisa were literally the feet on the ground but behind the scenes I would be taking the referrals talking to the people on the phone seeing what it was they needed so we were doing going out and doing shopping for people picking up their prescriptions, walking their dogs. Uh, to anybody out there, never offer to walk dogs. <laughs> that was a major lesson that we learned in terms of dog walking. Um, but you know what? It was a need. We met it for the time we needed it. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and then we also realised that there was lots of people out there that 
didn't have anybody to talk to and wanted a befriending service. Mm. Um, so we put the rallying call out to the church family saying, okay, here's the need. How do people want to help? Um, and then we found that we were getting phone calls from people outside of church as well who were saying, I'm nothing to do with church. Can I volunteer with you? And I'm like, yeah, of course you can. Um, and we were able to DBS everybody because we wanted to do things um, you know, as best we could. We didn't just want to do it like in a ragtag way. We wanted to do it as best practice because we are showing Jesus to the community and we need to do that in a professional way, albeit in the middle of a pandemic. Um, and then we suddenly had volunteers from people from other churches, people who were furloughed and had nothing to do. Um, so it meant that we were engaging with the people who needed a service but also people that needed something to do and were looking for a community to connect with. And people that we would 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 never darken the doors of a church normally and were very open about that, saying, I don't share your faith, I just want something to do. I'm like, that's fine, come and work with us. You'll probably never meet me, but let's talk on the phone. I also think the incredible thing was that because of the pandemic, where we had organisations saying to us, look, you'd never be able to apply for this grant. Um, you would never have access to this money, um, saying, well, because of COVID, all those restrictions are gone. And so can you please take this money? And and then calling Heidi back to say, actually, we've got more money. Will you take that? And and so I think getting to the point where Pantry was finally kind of up and running and, and looking back and going, we actually, as a church, didn't have to pay for anything because mm. even the initial food that we bought I think was covered by one of the grants eventually so like mm. so for our from that place of I guess even that if there's someone listening who thinks oh gosh God's given me this vision I don't know how that's going to happen I don't know how I'm going to fund that that actually for us we had those same questions for Heidi because <laughs> I didn't think I would be a part of Heidi's thing and then to have God like not only bring that to complete fruition on an organizational level, but then also on a funding level. And then now we've got connections within our community. So you've got um, in Mirtha something called the Food Prosperity Network. And so you've got housing associations and different charities and one church, and that's Hope Church Mirtha. And so for us to be able to be a part of something that shows that actually we want to invest in our community, but we also want to work with other organizations so we're not just like some rogue entity that's kind of undermining and cutting in and and whatnot and so we've developed some really good relationships which means now there's this sustained thing so in the midst of all this grant money that we received um hope pantry was able to be like taken off the ground um we are working with your local pantry so we're your local pantry um franchise and so was able to kind of do again one of those things of like all right well if god's in this let's just apply mm -hmm. for this grant for this funding that we need to to get off the ground and they came back with yeah hmm. and you go oh okay yeah. i guess we're doing this <laughs> i think when i when i look back because you, everything is it's mostly about pantry at the minute and when i look back to think where we started with a pen and a piece of paper um in my living room and paul and lisa's church keys to put food donations into hope and I think 
there was, if being very, very honest, there was um, another organisation doing something similar in a different borough. And they had £20,000 given to them week one. And I sat there thinking, well, God, i got a pen and a piece of paper now. What are you doing? <laughs> um, because we we knew what we wanted to do. We didn't know how we were going to do it. But it was that trusting God. And he said to me, that's what they needed. And they had it when they needed it. Just trust me. Give everything to me. And just do what I tell you. Um. So we did. And then we were literally saying, okay, God, I don't know how we're going to meet this need. Um, we had people saying, I've got no gas and electric. So when we were doing um, food parcels for people, we were going out giving them food. And then a lady said to me, thank you for this food, but my cooker doesn't work. Hmm. And it was a real slap in the face for me because how could we give people food, but they've got nothing to cook it on. So I was like, God, we need some money for a cooker. I've got no money for a cooker. I don't know how it's going to be. And within 24 hours, I had a £100 donation given to me, which went to buy this lady a cooker. Hmm. Um, so at the end of the first, second, third wave, when I worked out how much grant money we'd had, it was over and above what that other organisation had had. And it was God quite clearly telling me, I told you I'd meet the need. Trust me, you'll have it when you need it. So in terms of building my faith, the case of, okay, well, you know, you own the cattle on a thousand hills. You can do a food parcel for somebody, gas and electric for somebody. Um, and out of that and a cooker and all sorts of other random things that people needed. Hmm. Um, and it was genuine needs. It wasn't my neighbours having this or I want this. And it takes a lot for people to be able to tell random strangers that they're in that level of need. And that is quite a privileged position to be in, where you're having a telephone conversation with somebody and they're saying, I haven't got any nappies for my kids today. And in 2021, in a civilised society, that's not how it should be. And that's not God's design. Um, and that's why we do what we do. And we had... No idea that it would turn into Hope Pantry as we would move along. So as the pandemic has evolved, we've evolved with it. Um, if you'd have asked me even nine months ago, would we be running a community shop? Um, I probably <laughs> would have just laughed. <laughs> yeah. So can you just unpack how Pantry works and what that looks like week to week? Yeah. So originally we started as free food parcels. So um, when the pandemic started, they would just be food parcels that would go out. We had donations of food from, that was best before dates were yesterday. And we'd get those from Tesco's or Asda's and kind of buy in tins and try to make something of it. And and those would then be delivered by volunteers. And then it was in the midst of one of those meetings with the, the Food Prosperity Network um, where somebody had mentioned um, the food that they were getting from Fair Share. And like, it was a random meeting that Heidi was like, can you go to? And it was just like one of those things that you just kind of like ear twig to um, and realized that actually we were able to have a membership with Fair Share Cymru where we were able to get food that was within date um, and good quality for a lot less than we were buying from Tesco's. And so um, we started doing that. And then as the need for food parcels kind of 
was winding down, we also recognized that there was still a need because there was still food poverty in Merthyr. Um, and so there were still people that needed their free parcel, but not because they couldn't get out anymore, but just because, you know, some had been furloughed. We found um, the housing associations in Merthyr Tidville are amazing at caring for their tenants. And that's something that we've tried to honor them at all our meetings that we go to, because we see that and that actually for people in Merthyr that found themselves in really difficult financial places, the housing associations have a real heart for their, their tenants. But it was the people who were in private rentals or owned their homes that all of a sudden had been furloughed. And our society is such that like people, people get stuff and sign up contracts and stuff according to what they make. And so you even had people that were working at really like good jobs, but when they got furloughed, just that reduction of 20% of their income meant that they were in a place of, of real struggle. And so then the choice became rent or food. Um, and so we, I don't even know how, <laughs> how do we stumble across your local pantry? Oh, this is your fault, Lisa. Um, <laughs> you may want to cut that bit out. Um, so we stumbled across your local pantry. Did I send you something? Yeah, you sent me something and said, look at this in Edinburgh. And I went, yeah, that looks great. And then scrolled on by. Um, and then you sent me something else and said, have a look at this, Heidi. And again, it's, it's, it's that leap of faith, isn't it? Is, there, is, this, is this a God thing or is this a human thing? And the only way you're going to know that is by pushing the door and seeing what happens. Um, so we had a phone call with your local pantry network and said, um, how does this work? What can we do? And is this something that we could do? Um, it's mainly your local pantry started off in Stockport between um, a housing association and Church Action on Poverty because they recognised that there was a great deal of food poverty. Um, so there are three local pantries in Cardiff um, and we filled in the application form, had a couple of phone calls and realised that it was something that was going to be beneficial for us and beneficial for the community. And again, it, it gave us an authenticity that we weren't just a random church giving out food. Mm -hmm. We wanted to invest in the community and invest in the pantry. Um, so it works as, so if somebody finds themselves and they're like, oh, I'm, my ends aren't meeting, you know, I'm getting to the end of the week and I'm running out of food or money or whatnot, um, they don't have to be on benefits. They don't have to meet certain requirements. Um and so it's almost like a cooperative. And so people, all the members of the pantry, so it's not something where random people just turn up. They're a member, they sign up um, and they pay £3.50 per week, but it's when they turn up. So if they don't come, if they come once a month, then they pay £3.50 once a month. Um, but the whole idea is that, because I think initially people get quite like, oh, well, don't you think that people will take advantage of that? And they're like, you know what, for £3.50 they are putting money into something where because as a community they're all paying £3.50 it means that we can buy the food in and so even if they do if, if someone were to come in and, and take advantage of the situation and be very wealthy and yet come to pantry like pantry doesn't lose out because of that so I don't think we have we haven't found and I mean even today I had to call someone to say oh you're here every week you're not here today. And they're like, oh, I don't have the money this week. And I was like, well, get down here <laughs> and you can get your food and then you can pay us next week or you can have a free week. Um, 
But yeah, so they come in, they pay their £3.50. We still get our donations from um, Fair Share Go, which would come through Tesco's or Asda's in Merthyr Tidville. So all that, they get to take away as much of it as they can eat. And again, people, it's, it's lovely to see that actually people don't come in and go, I'll just take all of it. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a real understanding of, of other people's needs. Um, and then when they go into the pantry, they have an allowance for each week. And so they get four high-priced items and six lower-priced items. And again, with our membership with Fair Share Cymru, um, we have food that comes from M&S, food that comes from Waitrose, food that comes from Tesco's um, within its date. And, and so they end up paying £3.50 a week and normally taking around £15 to £20 worth of groceries away with them. along the way there's been really high moments and probably some loans as well what would be the standouts as you think back over the last year to 18 months um, I think there's lots of little mm. there's lots of little things that end up being the high points that you kind of don't think would like do you know what I mean like if if, if it was somebody else looking at and saying like for you asking that question of high points this might not seem like one, but for us, you know, to have a family coming in who's struggling to make ends meet and it's their child's birthday and you've just been yeah. donated like four birthday cakes from mm. Asda's that day mm. and they come that in and cool. they go, oh my gosh. And they, yeah. when people cry, <laughs> that, that's hard. But yeah. like, it's like, you know, because you, you, you see that need being met and, and not just that need. So like birthday cake is not a need, is it? And I think that is that kind of like, manifestation that display of God's heart for people that actually they're not just getting their tinned mints that they can like survive on but actually like they're getting a birthday cake the day before their birthday yeah and so to have a little boy yeah. get really excited and be like mom we're gonna have cake mm. yeah that's but that's amazing or to have someone come in in tears and be able to actually because you've established really, and again, this goes back to the community aspect of it, that actually you're not just providing food, but you're building relationships with people. And so to have someone come in and say, I've, I've just been diagnosed with breast cancer and, and to be able to have, you know, a cry and to be able to say, like, just be honest with us about that. Like that, that to me, yeah. while it's a low point for that person and yeah. for us, as we care for that person, the fact that those relationships have been established by something that is essentially food provision kind of, I think, speaks into the heart and 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 then ticks that box of actually, we don't want to be a service provider. We want to be a community that displays Jesus. Yeah. Mm. yeah, I echo what Lisa says. I think it's easy sometimes to remember the low points and think, oh man, um, so go on, Heidi, what, what would your low points be? I think at the beginning of COVID, when 
um, we were having referral after referral after referral and the phone was going from 8.30 in the morning until 6 in the evening. Mm. I think that felt a little overwhelming of, oh my goodness, how are we going to do this? Yeah. Um, I think some of the, the practical high points were that we were having our DBS checks done online and returned within 24 hours, which never happens. <laughs> um, we had provision for grant money to be able to give um, volunteers petrol money. And then if you remember way back at the beginning that there was a real shortage of hand sanitizer. Yeah. Um, and we, I knew that I wanted to give all the volunteers their own hand sanitizer. So we were sending people out to do what they were going to do in a safe way. Um, and I was talking to, to Dylan, who was our building administrator, and he said, Heidi, we need, or I said to him, we need 35 bottles of hand sanitizer or 35 containers. Yeah. He was like, leave it with me. So he rang a company in the next valley who produced it and said, have you got any? And she said, we are closing today. I've got 35 bottles. No way. If you want it, come and collect it in the next half an hour and I will give you a discount. Wow. Now that's God's provision. Hmm. Um, and, and that just blows my mind that it was exactly what we needed at exactly yeah. the right time. Um, we couldn't have done anything to do that because that was, you know, rarer than hen's teeth. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> I've never heard that phrase never before. Heard that one. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of my more polite ones. Um, <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I think that was a high point. I think for me, a high point would be being able to do some befriending stuff with people mm. and having a relationship with, with people um, who hadn't seen or spoken to anybody and who were physically unwell. Um, and open to conversations about Jesus when the first conversation I had was, I'm happy to talk to you, but don't talk to me about God. I was like, yeah, no, that's fine. I'll talk to you about cooking or whatever you want. And then three months down the road, it's, so what do you believe then? And I'll oh, go on then, pray for me. <laughs> um, and when that lady sadly passed away, um, her family were just blown away by the care that was that was shown to them mm. through through their mum. Um, and I think it's just, it just shows God's heart really, doesn't it? Um, and you know, this isn't anything to do with me and Lisa. Um, <laughs> let me tell you, if it was just me and Dory over there, it wouldn't be happening. <laughs> is um, Dory supposed to be forgetful? Is that yeah. yeah. I don't, I, I literally just don't have any memory whatsoever. And so like Heidi will say something and I will walk around the room once and it's gone. <laughs> it's gone yeah. Which is, I, again, I guess. Like the testimony to it, like, I mean, Heidi's got her book where she writes everything down. <laughs> and so I think that's, I think that's testimony to God's grace is that actually mm. like we, the pantry is run in such a way that is God honoring yeah. and it is, it is meeting all, like it's t a tick box of excellence when it comes to a service provider within mm -hmm. Martha Tidville. Um and that's not me for sure. Oh, me. Because I'm like yeah. that, like, let's just go. Let's see. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so I think that's the that's been the really amazing thing is that even in the midst of knowing your lack and knowing your own, like, weaknesses, that, that God's word is is made fruitful. And so, like, when, when he says that, like, it's his strength that will be seen in my weakness, I think that's what pantry looks like yeah is that in the midst of our lack god is just completely provided mm -hmm. which is why i think we can talk about it without being like a oh 
pat on the back no, like we've done really well because we're no, like we <laughs> this has nothing, nothing to do, to with, do us. with us <laughs> whatsoever this is all god mm-hmm. it's all god I think we do have a fair bit of respect from the people in Merthyr because of how we've done things and that we've done things the right way with DBS checks and how we treat our volunteers. And um, the other good thing about Pantry is because it's a community cooperative, that the volunteers are not just all from church family. The, the ethos is that if you're a member of the Pantry and you want to volunteer, come and talk to us, fill in the form, and we'll find you something to do. And that's a really good thing because then people will come in to volunteer with us who don't know anything about Jesus and have never darkened the doors of a church before are spending time with us and are seeing how lives are lived and and and, and how good God is. And they stand there a bit amazed when we, you know, we pray before we open the pantry, God bless this morning. Um, you know, it's like, oh, wow, that's reserved for grace, isn't it, on Christmas Day? And... Um, But it's just really sweet. And again, it's building community and building relationships with people. Yeah. So do you have any plans or ideas about developing it and next steps? So one of the, again, like positive things that we've had with the connections within other organizations in Merthyr is there are other organizations that are are looking to go to the pantry model. And again, because they're looking to go with your local pantry means that almost will have like a, a little bit of a team kind of ethos and particularly when you're like oh we need pants of tampons and they're like we've got loads of those I was like do you want coffee (laughs) like we've got loads of coffee um and so for us we have not done any advertising really for besides Facebook like for pantry and they're um we've always had a real heart for the international community in Merthyr Tidville as well so within town we've yet to kind of leaflet and flyer. And so we're kind of looking forward to the fact that there's actually going to be more provision around Mirtha so that we don't kind of, I think initially like one of our low points was kind of seeing the names coming in and thinking, oh my gosh, we don't have enough, we, we don't have enough food to cover this. Um, and we have done and Fair Share has provided more food and we've paid for more food. It, like it's just been amazing. Um but I think that's kind of the highlight for me is that actually as things have settled down that now we can start going, all right, how do we reach the people directly around our like established building and not just like whoever has internet connection so they can see Facebook. Yeah, yeah. And I think the pantry model helps because it's done on symbols. It's done on hearts and diamonds. So if English isn't your first language, not a problem. It's a single, It's a symbol. If your reading and writing isn't particularly great, you can come to the door and we'll help you fill in the form. So it's not preventing anybody within the community from being involved in it. Yeah. Um, And and we use Google Translate as well. (laughs) (laughs) But then as things, as the COVID restrictions reduce as well, the whole ethos, again, that would be a joint thing with your local pantry as well, is that a pantry is not just food access, but it's a place where they can have, um, so things like cap money course can be run so that people can learn to budget um you know even with the food prosperity network in Mirtha we've talked about whether or not to get um like a savings program going so that when people come in to get their pantry they can also put a pound into savings um for the like local credit union um 
but then um, we used to run before the pandemic life life skills, a CAP life skills course. And so where people get to learn how to cook. And so like to do cookery classes, especially with the food that you've got, like, you know, that you always have. So how do you transform tinned minced beef and onion into something that tastes lovely? Not that it doesn't taste lovely to those that provide minced beef and onion and tin. Um, but those kind of things. And so then you're talking about whole of life. And so not just food. Um, and then that aspect of, okay, so we have these relationships and actually people have seen this. So how do we, oh, well, we get to invite you to Alpha as well. And, you know, if you've got questions that go beyond, you know, then that gets to be. And so I think pantry then becomes a hub for mm-hmm. for mm. more need. Yeah. Yeah, most definitely. Um, and I think sitting alongside that is the the people who are lonely and isolated, I would love to have when COVID allows us to have a little space upstairs where we can have tea and coffee. So when people come in to get their pantry, you know, they can sit and chat and have conversation with people. Um, I would absolutely love to develop the Befriender network. Um, But I work full-time in my pay job. And when I'm not in my pay job, I'm here wearing a pantry uniform. And then when I'm not doing that, I'm asleep. Um, (laughs) So I know that I desperately want to build that network. But we either need an eighth day in the week or for me to have a little bit more time, which is something we're trying to work on. Um, Because we've got the networks with the housing associations and they have a lot of people that they still do befriending with and the housing associations are getting back to their day-to-day business. So there's people there that need befriending and there's lots of other people that we've said before are lonely and isolated. So I think that that works really nicely with, with what Pantry does and the various courses that we want to do. Um, and also I think we just want to leave a bit of room to see what God wants us to do next because we didn't plan any of this so his plans may look a little bit different to what we think um so I think he's just been open to what God wants us to do next too and being able to take some time in our very busy lives to sit and listen and I think maybe I'm not very great at doing that (laughs) so last question which you've maybe touched on a bit already there but in 10 15 years time if everything goes better than you could hope for or imagine, what would you like to see come of this seed that started here? I would like to see that there was no food poverty in Merthyr and we weren't needed in that respect because the ultimate goal would be that there would be no food poverty. Yeah. Um, Realistically, unless there is a miracle, I think there will continue to be food poverty. Yeah, because there's always there's always people who slip through the net, isn't it? Yeah, of course there is. I think yeah. um, I think even as we talk about the stuff with life skills and all that different stuff, you start to think because even as Heidi was saying about like the cafe, I was like, they might have to be in your office, Tom. <laughs> like, I was actually that? thinking exactly the same <laughs> thing. <laughs> like, yeah. Where's that going to happen? Yeah. Like, Just planting the seed for you, Tom, <laughs> that your office may not be your office. I don't need office. an office. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I think you know the idea that actually there would be other your local pantries who mm. have a, a place on the high street that becomes like a community center. Mm. Um, I think we're so blessed here at Hope Church Martha just because of the fact that we are on the high street anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's huge. Um, but I do think like, I think I love the fact that the volunteers that we have mean that 
this isn't something where Heidi and I have to be like it has to be our thing yeah, yeah. Um, and so we've gotten to the position now where we've got reliable volunteers I do think depending on what happens um, just leaving that in God's hands to actually does he yeah does he want to give us a place on the high street so that offices can be used as offices again and not as mm-hmm. a tin overstock mm-hmm. yeah well yesterday we were talking to people who got given a building so uh, you never know you never, you never know. know. I mean, you know, we've been given some amazing things in the last 12 months that we didn't think we'd be given. You know, yeah. the uniforms we're wearing, the the coats that we wear when it rains, because it does rain a little bit in Merthyr. <laughs> um, you know, like I said, he owns the provision on a cattle on a thousand hills. And I think it's just being attuned to, to him and listening to what he wants us to do. Yeah. Um, and obeying when he tells us to do things. Because if I if Paul hadn't been obedient 18 months ago and listened to God's voice and, and I hadn't said <laughs> and I hadn't said, Yeah, go on, let's see what happens yeah. in the three weeks we have off, um, we wouldn't be where we are now. Mm. And that's God. Yeah. I think that's huge, isn't it? That actually like the obedience thing isn't even like huge leaps. It's just the no, next step. Next step. Yeah. yeah. And that actually he doesn't require us to kind of have the full the full thing and make a decision then. It's just mm-hmm. literally make a phone call. Next step. Which is good because if I had known 18 months where we were now, I probably would have just gone into hiding. <laughs> <laughs> it does. It looks it looks huge, doesn't it? Yeah, like I it think does. that's the thing, yeah. is that at the beginning of this, if somebody had said um, right, you need to establish a food pantry. Mm. Like mm. you wouldn't know, you wouldn't know where to begin, would you? Like, no. and that was that was the whole thing. Is like God's grace of even the sourcing of food. Like, mm. you just you can't even no. Especially when you're not like, oh, right, I've done some research and I think we should start up a food pantry. Yeah. But just this thing of almost literally like falling into it. Yeah. And it being easy mm-hmm. in the sense of like it all just coming together yeah but not easy in the sense that you're still it's that daily picking up your cross isn't it that actually yeah all right so this morning we're gonna go well last night you know i'm gonna go to tesco's and i'm gonna go pick up the food for donation and i'm gonna bring it here and i'm gonna sort through lettuce and decide how many lettuces (laughs) we actually need for the day and and even in that you know like i now do that once a month versus every Every week week. now Mm -hmm. because of the provision of other people who are willing to do that as well yeah so and it's always an opportunity and so you get to chat with the people at tesco as well they're packing it away because they can't do anything else can they but talk to you (laughs) they're like do you know where this is going towards do you know what we do should i tell you why we do it (laughs) yeah great well thanks um really appreciate you giving the time thank you thank you of you get involved with um, Help at Hope? Is it? I was thinking this, actually. I don't know if the podcast makes clear the difference in the transition between mm. Help at Hope and Hope mm. Pantry. So yeah. just in case it didn't, Help at Hope was the initial response of the church to needs that arose 
through uh, the COVID pandemic. Um, so there was a range of things from delivering food parcels, doing phone calls, walking dogs, whatever. And then eventually that kind of morphed into starting Hope Pantry as a kind of longer term solution and meeting a need within the community just generally. Mm. So anyway, well, let's say, did you two get involved with that at all? Yeah, I did. What, yeah. What did you do? Well, I um, spent <clears throat> the first lockdown in Cornwall. So I stayed with my brother. Mm. So the only thing I could do at that point was befriending over the phone. So I spoke to a lovely Northern Irish lady. She was fab. She is fab. Um, and we still like exchange messages now and then as well. Mm. Um, and just chatted to her once a week. But I think it did make a big difference because she was on her own, quite mm. isolated. Um, and then when I came back, I did a bit of dog walking for her as well with um ruth your wife your lovely wife also did dog walking for her as well so yeah yeah i love being part of a church community where there's such like a collective response Mm. to crisis Mm. you know that um like whatever people could do they did and whatever they could give they gave Mm. um and i think you know you read church history and and often that's like what made the church so distinctive, you know, like uh, I'm trying to think what century it was, second or third century. There's like a plague and the people who are sick are getting thrown into the streets. And it was the Christians that like went out mm. and risked their own lives to care yeah. for these people who are being discarded. And just love that, um, you know, not that this was that extreme, but that idea of like, that's when the church comes alive, mm. you know, is when there's need and just that kind of instinctive response was mm. fun to witness and be a part of. Mm. You know. I guess there's um, a recurring theme here again <laughs> of Heidi and her job, you know. Yeah. yeah. And her skills. Yeah. yeah. Like she is just thriving in this role. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, again, it's a, it's just a cool thing to witness that she's so good at what she does. Mm. There's like a, a confidence and an authority that she just mm. yeah. has. Yeah. Yeah, as she's doing pantry stuff and organizing people. And, and I think it probably fills everybody else with so much confidence. It fills me with mm. confidence to see her doing it. And I'm like, cool, I'm pretty sure that everything is going to be sound (laughs) and like well organized and above board and all of that. Because she's just clearly very good at what she does. I think it's the combination of those things, isn't it? It's the combination of being very, um, very organized and prepared, knows what she's doing, that experience, those skills, dealing with people who are isolated, dealing with people who are maybe more challenging, what have you, in her in, in her day job um and knowing that she's somebody who listens to god who has a vision has a dream and aspiration who trusts god and says this is all you now because i haven't got anything you know that's what makes her somebody that when somebody says give this random person a ring just thought that you two should pair up yeah yeah you know um you've got the confidence then to follow that person i think that's part of part of leadership isn't it yeah. And that's what gives that confidence. Yeah. yeah. And I've really loved, again, like 
you know, occasionally being sat in an office and um, in the same space where Mel used to get people to fill in rehab forms. Now there's a pantry. Um, And one of the cool things is like listening in is the way that Heidi just prays as she walks around the place. Mm. And like not, you know, long detailed prayers, just like, oh, that was wonderful. Thank you, Lord. You know, Mm. like just little things like that. Well, like, come on now, Lord, we need this. Um, (laughs) And then, like, for her and Lisa, just the way that they welcome people at the door, there's, yeah. like, such a warmth. And, um, yeah, it's great. Like, mm. I love just mm. listening in. Both of them are great at what they do mm-hmm. um, and clearly made for it. Mm. And you were saying about Mel in the last podcast about how she um, how she has got this motherly kind of, mm-hmm. like, authority. And I think, to some extent, Lisa's got something similar so yeah. she'll have you know somebody come on come in and she'll be like come on now like just the way that she can just be her and yeah. and um and she is she was saying about how um you know even when someone's packing up their um tesco fair share where whilst they're packing it you know do you know what we're doing do you know why we do it yeah, yeah. she is like that's just her through and through she'll have a conversation at the checkout like mm-hmm. she'll have a conversation with somebody on the street she'll in the post office whatever um she just sees those opportunities and and it's so natural it's not like some forced awkward yeah. thing yeah it's just that uh, that overflow isn't it yeah she gets away with saying things that most people wouldn't <laughs> Yeah. yeah, maybe because she's American. Yeah, I, don't know. I think that's only part of it. Like there's a yeah, um, a novelty factor to it <laughs> <laughs> that helps. I think as well, like if you know, Tom, you asked them about um, their outgoing community-facing roles, and and how they became people that that do that. Mm-hmm. Then, and I think you know, being someone who is generally more quiet and would struggle to to have those conversations with people naturally. Um, I think it was really encouraging for me listening and hearing that actually it's partly natural, but it's partly the environments that they grew up in and mm-hmm. what they saw modelled to them. Yeah. And I think that's really... Because I think otherwise, you, you know, you can hear stuff like that and felt, feel a little bit like, oh, well, I'll never be like that. But actually it can be learnt. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really cool as well. If as a church, we all, as, you know, churches, if we all learnt to be like that and had those skills ready, like, that would be awesome. Mm. And, like, really, really useful skills. And, yeah. So I think that's that's the really cool thing is, and, and I guess for both of them as well, they practice it, don't they? And maybe that's the connection with, with the job mm. for Heidi. Yeah. Is that she's been practising that for years and years and years yeah. just through what she does um yeah that's encouraging to me <laughs> yeah one of the things i often think about with elisa in particular who's such a gifted and natural and not weird evangelist <laughs> um is you know ephesians 4 talks about how god's given gifts to the church who are apostles prophets evangelists shepherds and teachers and the point of those people is that they equip the saints yeah. for works of ministry I'm just like, how do we get Lisa to equip us to be better yeah. evangelists, yeah. you know? Because, yeah. like, I recognize that need and lack in my own life. And 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 I feel like growing up in church, evangelists isn't something that I feel very familiar with, mm. you know? Yeah. Like, the, the church culture that 
I've grown up in, there's loads of great teachers. Mm. And I've known lots of really prophetic people. And I've known lots of great pastors, shepherds. Um, but I can't really think of like many people that I know who like they're a great evangelist. Mm. Mm. And so it's like, how, like, why is that for starters? And how do we um, utilize whatever evangelists we do know to like mm. equip and release people to be good at that? Mm. Even if that's not, you know, your primary calling to at least be able to do it yeah. to some level. Yeah, One of the things I've liked throughout these um, interviews has been how God has used the skills, the background, the passions as well, you know, like mm. what people are, what people thrive in and enjoy, in, uh, enjoy um, how he's used that for his plans and his purposes. Mm. And so, like, I think it is important that the evangelists equip people in evangelism, but that doesn't mean that every person is going to be an evangelist, yeah. does mm-hmm. it? And so, like... I think holding those things in tension. I yeah. love Heidi and Lisa, but a church full of Heidis and Lisas would not <laughs> operate very well. Yeah. <laughs> and a church full of me's would not operate very well. And there is that celebration of our differences as well, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. And so your upbringing, faith would have taught you completely different yeah. things, completely, yeah. you know, beautiful, valuable things that um, are different to to mine and to... Mm. Um, Heidi and Lisa's for very different purposes it's like I mean what's open this has done to open up my eyes is it's like God has had his hand on these individuals lives from their conversion or their upbringing or whatever all the way through to 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 work out his purposes but back to your question about how we can equip you know how we can how our evangelists can equip the saints in evangelism. I don't know. I don't know. That's a really good question. Mm. I think, well, firstly, they, like, in order to be equipped, they need to be practising. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think, and so I think the first step is facilitating our evangelists to do what they do, Mm. you know? Mm. And so I guess we've already, like, within hope, that first step is being made because Heidi and Lisa are doing what Heidi and Lisa do. Mm. Yeah. And I think, like, I think because because I'm sure in, in lots of churches there are evangelists that don't know they're evangelists. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I guess, you know, people who volunteer with Pantry and all that kind of stuff, they're seeing it firsthand, aren't they? Mm. Um. And I think as well, like it's it's like Lou, going back to what you just said about um everything, God using everything and it building and building and it coming to like they're using their skills now. But these are like we've said, they're emerging stories. Yeah. Like we haven't they haven't made it yet. <laughs> I don't know what making it looks like, but <laughs> but like this is the this is the start of them using those skills, isn't it? Yeah. And and so, you know, I think because we're looking back you know, from this point being the kind of the current point. Mm. But actually in the same way, I think we could come back in however many years and see that actually there was a whole nother chunk of the story that we hadn't found out yet where actually God was in, you know, in Hope Pantry, God is still training them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think is really exciting because then there's always that past that we can look back and go, 
God has equipped me, but in the present, God is equipping me and God will continue to equip me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so, do you know what I mean? It's not like you're being equipped or you're using the skills. It's both, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the things I love about the story of Helper Hope and Hope Pantry is just that idea of just starting somewhere. Mm. Yeah. You know, just taking a step. Pen and yeah. paper, what was yeah. it, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then like a year later, look where we are mm. and who would have thought, you know. Mm. And I'm the kind of guy that likes a plan and <laughs> uh, a strategy and being organized and well thought through in that. Um, but I love that idea of just here's a need. Let's take a step and trust that God's going to come mm. through for us in it. Mm. And then... It just snowballs, mm. you know. And that's been their testimony all the way through, isn't it? Here's a need, let's take a step. Here's a need, let's take a step. Like, mm. just step by step. Quite different to um, Challenge Valleys with a big vision right at the beginning yeah. of their lives. Yeah. You know, this is what your life is going to be dedicated to. Um, this is much more for the moment, isn't it? For such mm. a time as this. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. these skills, these experiences such a time as this and just and I loved I loved um Lisa's honesty in saying if it were down to me none of this would have happened (laughs) (laughs) I was I was just really encouraged by that sometimes we just get swept along in what God is doing Um, (laughs) and we reluctantly say okay yeah (laughs) yeah that's realistic isn't it yeah yeah and their testimony all the way through is God's goodness. It almost got annoying how much they <laughs> were saying that it was God's goodness. <laughs> almost. And God's grace. Almost. Obviously not completely. I was like, I get it. <laughs> yeah. um, but it's it's a true reflection of who they are. It's not, it's genuinely their heart, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. And I just love, you know, as they were talking about um, thoughts going forward as well. But even what it already is, just the the holistic nature of it. Mm. Um, so, you know, the idea of it giving dignity to people uh, in that they're still paying for it yeah. and they get to come in and choose what they want. Yeah. And, um, and then the sense of building community in that, that there's connections and relationships happening. And then into the future, you know, whether it's, um, yeah, cap life skills stuff mm. or like a hangout coffee space. Um, I, like I get really excited by initiatives that are like multifaceted yeah. and hit things from different angles mm. yeah. and aren't just like a one track, one thought mm. thing. Um but yeah, kind of scratch different itches at the same time, to use a strange mm. metaphor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I had never because I've I've seen the I've seen the pantry. Um and I'd never made the connection of the symbols until Heidi said. And then I was like, actually, this is so well thought through that actually you don't need to speak English yeah. to be able to understand the system. Mm. And I think for me, that speaks of the the kind of skills and experience that has gone into mm. 
making Hoe Pantry. You know, the I know that's partly the the pantry kind of your local pantry. Yeah, yeah. like that whole thing. But like, yeah, the fact that you get to pay a little bit of money and and it's accessible to people who Mm. can't read, you know, even if it's not a language thing, it's they just can't read, Mm. Um, which is more common than we like to think it is. Um, And I think that's so um, just almost just so thoughtful, Mm. like for that one person, even if it is just one person. Mm that's going to mean so much and and make such a big difference i mean even like i loved the story of the birthday cake i thought that was awesome that was so good yeah and and that thing of like for that one person it means so much Mm. and you don't know how many years in 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 the future they're going to look back and remember that birthday cake because it's so significant or someone's going to look back and remember that in that place they used symbols and that was really helpful Mm. um and i just think that's there were so many little things that I'd never considered the why, but actually when you consider the why, you think actually this is so, um, this is so Jesus in yeah. a way. Yeah. And the, the, the things that they've learned along the way, as Heidi and, Heidi and Lisa have learned mm-hmm. along the way, the way that it's grown their faith as well. So seeing, I love that birthday cake story, yeah. just seeing the heart of God as a father yeah. for that little child the little boy who didn't have a birthday cake yeah and um and a father would want to provide a birthday cake for their kid's yeah. birthday wouldn't they yeah. mm. and just seeing the father's heart in that mm. and seeing god's provision and seeing his faithfulness and his consistency and mm. we need hand sanitizers yeah they're like gold dust yeah. <laughs> what are we gonna do or you know this person had Twenty thousand pounds given on day one. God, what are you going to do for us? <laughs> and just, um, just Heidi's reflection of that's what they needed, and they had it when they needed it. Mm. Um, and every step of the way, they've had it when they've needed it. It's a total mm. dependency, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's um, it's really encouraging to see how when you step out in faith. And you just do the first step and do the first thing and go, I don't really know what I'm doing. <laughs> God's really generous. Mm. And um, that builds your your faith for the next step and the next step until you get to the point of going, we need this now, God. So, yeah, expecting, yeah. expectantly praying for the yeah. next thing without any worry or fear, just trust. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And as well... You know, sometimes there can be a feeling that good works are just a means to getting people saved, you mm. know. Mm. And I love that, like, pantry doesn't feel like that. Mm. doesn't feel like, yeah. oh, we'll feed you in the hope that you give your life to Jesus. Yeah. Um, but, like, the end is doing justice, yeah. yeah. you know, and it's demonstrating and enacting and uh, kind of bringing into being an aspect of the kingdom of God that there's, like, food for the hungry. You don't do justice in the hope that people will join the church. Yeah. yeah. You do justice because that's who we are. Mm. Yeah. We're the people of God. Like, it's what we're called to. Mm. Um, and if people also come to know Jesus in the process, then that's fantastic. But, like, it's not just this calculated yeah. way of hoping that <laughs> we grow the numbers. Yeah. There's no mixed motives in it. No. And it's like you were saying about Matt and Mel that wherever they turn in terms of their identity mm. in Challenge Valleys, 
they respond in a consistent way mm-hmm. because it's just who they are. Mm-hmm. And with Lisa and Heidi, it's similar. The way yeah. that they respond is consistent because it's just who they are. And I think as a church, we do a pretty good job of responding in a consistent way because that's just who we are. And one of those things is seeing injustice and having that desire to see justice, seeing Mm. God's kingdom come in those situations, seeing wrongs be put right. Mm -hmm. And that's because if you are a disciple of Jesus and you're becoming more and more like him, how else else can you respond really? Mm. Yeah. I think the lack of that almost transactional mm-hmm. motive then yeah. I think I think in a way listening to Heidi and Lisa you can see that there's a freedom in that mm. like there's a joy in just being able to bless for the sake of blessing yeah and provide for the sake of providing like you know why wouldn't we almost um and I wonder if that becomes a cyclical thing where then it's easier to not be transactional and then it's easier to bless and then it's easier yeah. do you know what I mean and I and I think that's it reflects the father's heart doesn't it of just overflowing generosity it's the the sermon on the mount isn't it salt and light mm-hmm. it's not that you a light is working really hard at being a light so that it's seen <laughs> the light just is yeah yeah <laughs> and salt isn't working really hard at being salty just so that it tastes flavoursome to other people around or whatever it just is Hey friends, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Emerging Stories podcast. If you enjoyed it, why not send it to a friend or post it to your socials? And if you're wanting to track with us, give us a follow on whatever platform you're listening to this on, as well as our Facebook and Instagram. Cheers. Cheers.